Welcome to another podcast from the Royal College of Psychiatrists. My name is Raj Basord and I'm a consultant psychiatrist based at the Bethlehem Royal and Maudsley Hospitals in South London. Uh, joining me today is David Klonsky, who's an Associate Professor of Psychology based at the Department of Psychology at Stony Brook University in Stony Brook, New York. And he and uh, co-author Anne Moyer have published a fascinating paper in the March edition of the British Journal of Psychiatry entitled Childhood Sexual Abuse and Non-Suicidal Self-Injury, a Meta-Analysis. Um, so before we talk about the actual paper itself, uh, Dr. Klonsky, could you just give us some idea of the background to the study? One of those uh, theories that's been around for probably a couple decades now is that childhood sexual abuse is one of the main causes of self-injury. There had certainly been a number of individual studies published on the topic. There had been a narrative or or qualitative review published on the topic, but no systematic review. And if treatment professionals are going to have the the latest information, the most accurate information about what causes self-injury and therefore perhaps how to treat self-injury, it's important that theories that are perhaps used to inform treatment are are, uh, adequately tested and that the data that could refute or or support a theory are are analyzed appropriately. So we wanted to conduct a a systematic analysis of the magnitude of this relationship between childhood sexual abuse and non-suicidal self-injury. And and that was what motivated the study. Could you tell us what the method was of the meta-analysis and what your results were? Well, we used a fairly standard meta-analytic procedure. We attempted to identify every study we could find that produced data on the correlation between childhood sexual abuse and the development of non-suicidal self-injury. We used uh, a literature search which was uh, fairly inclusive. We identified somewhere around 300 or 400 uh, potential studies to be included and, and ended up using only a small subset of that because only a small subset in the end produced the kind of data that, that was useful. We simply extracted the relevant effect size from each of those studies. In some cases, we had to make a calculation based on the data they provided because they didn't happen to, to c- conduct the analysis. In some cases, we had to contact some of the investigators because it was clear their study had the relevant data, but they had not reported the uh, data necessary to make the calculation. So in some cases, investigators were kind enough to provide us with the, with the information. And in the end, we converted all the effect sizes to a a standard metric, to a phi coefficient, which can be interpreted just as we would interpret a correlation coefficient. And we found that the relationship was relatively small, not much larger than a correlation of 0.2. This is certainly not surprising in the field of mental health, in the field of psychopathology. Most negative variables will correlate with each other to some extent, depression with anxiety, sexual abuse with a a large variety of negative uh, mental health outcomes. But the magnitude was not larger than usual. And so we interpreted this to be evidence that was not consistent with the notion that childhood sexual abuse was a primary cause of self-injury. Although in in some cases, we're certainly not ruling out that for certain individuals, uh, childhood sexual abuse might in fact be part of the picture. Wasn't this a surprising finding, though, in terms of, let's say, uh, people outside of the field? It's a, it's a common anecdotal thought that people express that this kind of childhood trauma is linked to self-harm. For whatever reason, there are a, a lot of various pieces of, of clinical lore out there. Um, in, in the mental health field in general, not just self-injury. So I, I was not so surprised. I took on the meta-analysis uh, because certainly in my own experience, While a subset of self-injurers had histories of childhood sexual abuse, I also had come across many who didn't. And I also heard 
some accounts of self-injurers in treatment who are being asked by their therapist, are you sure you haven't been abused? And so that was also part of the impetus, knowing that there were some self-injurers out there who were certainly in need of treatment, but who were having experiences where therapists were in some sense being distracted by the clinical lore and were focusing on unsubstantiated potential cases of sexual abuse, looking for evidence in the absence of any. Uh, to, to me, suggested that these people were not getting the, the care that they needed and that, that there was a, a, a clinical myth out there that all cases or virtually all cases of self-injury had to do with earlier cases of sexual abuse. Alongside with that, there is a tradition, uh, which is probably not a, a very good tradition uh, in mental health research, to conclude that statistically significant correlations or statistically significant findings are large, robust findings. And, of course, that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes statistically reliable findings mean there's a small correlation. It's, it's a real correlation. It's reliable, but not necessarily very large. And so I suspected that there was certainly a chance that that might happen in this case. And that does indeed seem to, to be the result. There certainly is a relationship. It's not negligible, but it's a correlation slightly higher than 0.2. So reliable, but not large. But I imagine that there will be a group of people out there who are convinced there is a link between um, uh, non-suicidal self-injury and childhood sexual abuse, and they'll simply claim that their meta-analysis was of studies that couldn't or, or weren't able to get at what was happening to children, and that there's a recall problem, and that the studies don't exist, which could actually definitively answer this question. Well, we, we certainly laid out our methodology as best as we could and tried to be as transparent as possible, and so people are certainly free to make arguments, and I, I, I hope they do. In the end, I'm not particularly motivated to hope for one particular kind of result or, or another. Like most people interested in self-injury, like most people interested in, in psychopathology and, and in treatment, I, I simply want us to, to eventually stumble upon the truth about, about these phenomena as best as we can and get it out. Um, for example, one aspect of sexual abuse that the meta-analysis did not examine was severity of abuse. This is because most studies did not uh, examine severity of abuse, but simply examined history of sexual abuse, yes or no, using varied definitions. And it's certainly possible that if severity of sexual abuse was taken into account, perhaps the association would be somewhat larger. I would also comment, though, that there's overwhelming evidence that number one, intense negative emotions, and number two, some form of, of self-directed anger or, or self uh, a tendency towards intense shame, that those two characteristics do distinguish self-injurers. And those two characteristics also show up in, in the main functions of self-injury, uh, number one, to alleviate intense negative emotions, and number two, self-injury is often performed as a means of, of self-directed anger or self-punishment. And so I, I think the evidence overwhelmingly suggests that those two characteristics distinguish self-injurers and that those two features are what motivate self-injury in most cases, certainly not all. And so, sure, it is possible that sexual abuse for some people, it's, it's uh, the kind of experience that could lead someone to develop, to develop intense negative emotions or, or an intense uh, sense of uh, self-criticality or self-derogation or shame. But there's probably many other ways to get there as well. So I, I simply don't mean to I don't mean to say that sexual abuse is, is never part of the picture. Indeed, for some individuals, it might be. But I think there are many paths to becoming the kind of person for whom self-injury is used as, as a coping mechanism. And I don't want people to overemphasize 
childhood sexual abuse at the expense of other possible ways people can develop self-injury because then people who develop self-injury and have a real need for treatment may be misunderstood at the outset. Often when people do a meta-analysis, just as you've done, they because they are reviewing the, the literature in a very comprehensive manner, they have some comments on how future studies in this area could be improved. And I think you made a few in the paper itself. That is the case. I mean, uh, certainly one is measuring severity of uh, childhood sexual abuse and also severity of self-injury more explicitly. Uh, that could lead to more fine-grained conceptualizations of of what exactly the the magnitude of the association is and the conditions under which the association is larger or smaller. I also noticed, although this was not a focus of the meta-analysis, but it seemed to be the case that childhood physical abuse exhibited a larger and more robust association with self-injury. And so I I think that also represents another future direction uh, that, that should be examined because it's possible that other kinds of childhood uh, early childhood environmental experiences might be more strongly related to self-injury than childhood sexual abuse, which, of course, is only uh, one kind of childhood trauma. Dr. Klonsky, thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. My pleasure.